to watch the ticker. This is episode, I think, eight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we're sitting on 9 15, 2019, or approximately 9 a.m. And today we're going to be talking about where do you find winners and where do you find losers. I have guest Zach still here, co host, and of course, Ava, our mascot's walking around our table. Zach, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I, I didn't know I was a guest on this show. I know. I, I said that. I, 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 I am uh, incorrect on a co-host. <laughs> I was like, I looked up. I was like, wait, do I have an episode cap here or something? Am I about to get bounced? Like, well, what happens is you, you just cost too much money, man. I, I can't. I keep on losing money because of you. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, today, we're going to be talking about where we find winners and losers. I, I want to start this first by saying this is not a perfect science. Like, yeah. none of this is perfect. This is just like, where's your jumping off point? Where do you, where do we look to maybe go down that rabbit hole? Um, and we sort of, I mean, we both have very different places that we look at things. So mm-hmm. uh, it'll be a very informative episode for you guys. I think it'll be perfect. Um, so just to really start off, I'll explain kind of the, we kind of look at the same websites and uh, newspapers, we watch certain TV shows. Um, if you guys want, I mean, you can get software. Market Edge is a really good one that actually give you like a top 10 uh, stocks that are dropping down. And then uh, another good way, just, just right from the get-go, is if you just Google following stocks, Motley Fool is one of the websites we use. They, they sometimes launch a, um, I think it's like top 20 stocks that are dipping for the day. And you kind of go in there and look at those. Uh, for me, my first step is really just to go to Charles Schwab because they put 10 of their following stocks or 10 of their best buys on their uh, little homepage whenever you're scrolling down. Anything that kind of dropped under 5%. And that's whenever I'll start my initial research. I think for me, my big things are just Motley Fool, Wall Street Journal uh, on their business section, of course, and, and financial and stock market. Uh, and then Yahoo Finance is what Zach's looking at right now because it gives you like a huge list of everything that's in the NASDAQ, um, anything that's in the Dow Jones, anything that's on the S&P 500. And they even do some Forex stuff. That's what you're into whenever it comes to currencies. But Yahoo has a pretty, pretty solid overview, kind of like a checklist of all the big stocks. And they also show you which one's dipping and which one's not. Mm-hmm. I think just as a get-go, first off, I will look for, if I'm looking for a stock that's dipping, I'll look for an industry. So for example, we'll use, because um, he has it up and I can see it right now, oil, so energy. So you will go to the energy uh, sector because energy is taking a dip for the year anyways, since crude oil's down drastically compared to what it was a few years ago. And there's some stuff going on in uh, Iran still making our oil not as expensive as it should be. But you just kind of look at the sector, you see the sector's down 27% overall for the year. And then once you go into that, you're gonna kind of look for what big blue chip. So Marathon was for me, because I just purchased them not too long ago. You look for what biggest blue chip that you know will never go out of business type of thing. And then you look for uh, which one has the biggest dip. So I think at that time, Marathon has like a 40% dip compared to what it usually is at. So this is kind of one that you just invest in and you wait for the long term, but that's kind of one of the easiest ways that I break it down. Uh, as I mentioned in one of the last episodes, more into the tech investments, just because whenever you see those, those will turn green for the most part. So you need to watch them all right up. 
I just kind of look for which one just seems like the best deal. I mean, whenever you click on a stock initially on whatever brokerage app you're using, it's going to show you a 52 week low and a 52 week high. I kind of look and see if it's, if it's really close to that 52 week high, I'll kind of lay off and I'll wait until it drops back down. But the cool thing about like Apple, Google, um, IBM, NVIDIA, pretty much anyone's like that, you'll kind of see once they dip, you know, two or three points, that's enough for you to kind of get in because they kind of fluctuate two or three dollars. That's that's pretty much their their break even. They don't increase unless if you wait for long term. So like with, with Apple releasing their new iPhone, their stock bumped up a little. That's kind of, in those situations, they'll bump up. But you just kind of ride those two or three point differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, everything you said there is pretty much spot on with with uh like with what i look at as well so i love what yahoo finance wahoo jesus um i love it's yahoo finance sister. right <laughs> wall <They're>, street yahoo <laughs> wahoo they're awesome <laughs> um underneath the market tab you can get so many helpful features i mean i i'm looking right now i have the calendar pulled up so on the calendar, they're going to show you earning it, earnings announcements, stock splits, IPO dates. All of those are available for you to access. Those are really good dates to keep on your calendar, especially if you have a stock whose earning, earnings announcement is coming up or someone you're interested in whose earnings announcement is coming up because then you know to look for them. Um, IPO is also a big deal. Um, if you're one of those people that likes to get in on the initial public offering of a stock, then you know, you obviously want to know when that's going to hit so that you can jump in feet first, take that, I call them a gamble, but they're all gambles at the end of the day, uh, and take that little bit of a gamble with them. And then for those IPOs, the best, uh, I think Motley Fool does a pretty good job at giving the info of kind of when those go out. You can also type an IPO calendar for release dates for like the up and coming month. If you are doing IPO investment, it's kind of more of a quick trade. So pay more attention because it'll come out on a Monday and you'll more than likely sell by Friday. Cause it, by that point, by the point that you're able to invest, they've already got all their private investors in. So the stock's already kind of fluctuated more north than what it should be, but you're gonna be riding it out with a bunch of other uh, individuals just like us that wanna still hop in on the IPO because it might be the next Uber that you can get and then it ends up skyrocketing drastically. So just make sure you pay attention if you do buy it. Usually they get released on a Monday. Um, just make sure you're paying attention because it might dip like Lyft did. But if you would've went from that Monday to Friday, you would've made almost $30 a share. But if you held on to it literally the next week, you would've lost almost, I think it was like 26 bucks is what one of our buddies was lost whenever he purchased it. So just make sure you pay attention with those IPOs. And kind of, if, I mean, if we have an IPO that we were both looking at, we usually put it on our Google calendar and then it just updates us. So we're an hour behind when the market opens based off of our geographical where we live. So we'll post it for 7 a.m. of when that IPO is going to open up and then we'll just notify both of us. So that's what we kind of recommend is if you are into the IPO game, which we do. I mean, it's fun. That's kind of where you make your quicker money without being a day trader, but you still get the same benefits of a day trader. Just go on, Google it, figure out when the IPO calendar is, look into them, make sure that they look like a good buy for you, um, and then just throw it into your, calendar, into your little Google calendar and get your notification. I would say too, with that, a lot of IPOs, they do start strong yes, and then they can sort of, I don't want to say bottom out, but they can definitely take a hit 
their next few days. So one thing you'll discover more and more as we go on with the show is Alex and I like to buy them and then drop them. Yeah, there's something, I mean, there's something you just don't hold on. Like Lyft is a really good example because it was released not too long ago. We bought it and we sold fairly quick. But then I it was like three days. I bought it on Monday and I told Zach and, and our buddy Kenny, I was like, I'm, I'm bouncing out on Thursday. I'm done. And then Kenny was more or less like, no, I think these guys are going to go up. And then literally we came back that Monday uh, to work and he's like, uh, guys, I lost a lot of money with these guys. So yeah. just make sure you pay, pay attention to that. Ride, ride the high and sell whenever you can. Do not get greedy with them. As I've always told you. I think 12% is a pretty good return on my investment regardless of where it's at. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, realistically on stuff like that, I know when to dip out. I'll dip out about 12% just because I'm content with that earnings. That's, that's drastically higher than the national average for any money manager. So, I think it's fine. Right. Um, so, that being said, back to Yahoo a little bit. Um, they have other tabs uh, outside of calendar under markets. Uh, they have trending tickers, which is a good one to look at. Most active uh, stocks gainers, stocks losers. I like looking at the losers tab just to see what companies are taking a little bit of a dip because she's a loser. <laughs> uh, because there might be something in there that, yeah, okay, they took a hit, but should I buy them low right now because that company is definitely going to bounce back? Um, it's just a good place to start research. And I think one thing that you should hit with that is the losers are good. So literally go on Google, type in uh, blue chip stocks or blue chip companies and just print off that list. It's a list, if I'm not mistaken, it's like 300 companies. And all a blue chip is, is, it, is blue chip companies just make a lot of cash and they're kind of secure. They're your like big hitters like Walmart, Amazon, Google, uh, GE, et cetera, et cetera. You know where I'm going with this. But literally print off that list and then go to the Yahoo Losers and search it. See if it's on the Yahoo Losers. And if it is, that's something that I would immediately throw on my watch list. So I just wanted to make sure I was able to hit that because that what he mentioned there is exactly one of the first steps that I would do if I'm looking in to purchase other stocks. Right. Um, and then with that, you have top ETFs, commodities, um, and then a couple other. There's also a mutual fund tab. Um, on top of that, you don't have to pay for access to any of this, which is really nice. Um, there is a premium version of Yahoo Finance, which gives you like a dashboard, research reports, investment ideas, and then there's a blog. I don't personally use that. Um, I don't know. I've just never felt the need or felt inclined to purchase it. Um, it is $350 annually or $34.99 a month. So... You, if you really wanted to spend that kind of money on it, you are more than welcome to, but I've never seen a huge increase gain, at least for what I do. Yeah, and it's more or less like if you're if you're day trading, yeah, you're going to need stuff like that because you need to know at that exact moment, which you're also going to pair it up with like a market edge system or some type of tracking device. I think for us in this situation, $350 for the majority of people is going to be what they earn in a year if they're barely doing this or if they're just investing in high dividend ETFs. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with Zach. I don't think it's a – I would not invest in a software like that unless you're taking this super serious and you're on it every single day and you're trying to buy and sell stuff. Right. Um, other good sites, good resources. Uh, I like MarketWatch a lot. 
I mean, they post a lot of good content on there, good articles, different things that you should be looking at. Um, and they post a lot of global articles, which is good because you get a bigger picture, I feel like. But it's not just focused on what's going on in the U.S. It's focused on, hey, this is happening abroad that's also going to have an impact on the companies in the U.S., which I think is huge and very detrimental to making good trading decisions. Um, Investors Business Daily, IBD Stocklist, like it, that's another good site. Um, it's just a good place for research. Uh, they're going to have a new high stock list on there, and they're going to show you companies that are, well, doing exactly what it's titled, reaching a new high. Um, so you can get a good look at that, see where they're at. Um, it's which are making their 52 week highs on any given day. So um, another good resource, you have to subscribe for like the full list. Um, I think it's like $5 or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna misspeak, but I think it's like five bucks. Um, and it's, it's another just solid resource. I also like, I don't know. We both like tech. Yeah. I like looking at stuff like Wired Magazine and things like that and getting an idea because those industry-focused mag magazines, like the car industry, they have automotive news. But those industry-focused magazines, I feel like can sometimes even give you a better picture than just a regular news source because that's all they're focused on. And they get really down into the weeds, down into the nitty-gritty. So if there's an industry you're focused on, odds are they have an industry magazine. They have some sort of publication that they run or multiple, like the tech industry has so many. And you can subscribe to all of them. I think that uh, we talked about that in the last episode. You need to find out what sector you want to invest in because it makes it easier for you. Um, Zach mentioned, I mean, we both, I think the majority of my portfolio is strictly in tech companies and you just go to Wired and you can subscribe and they send you an email. Uh, morning Brew email subscription sends out a business one in the morning, but they also send out a, a tech one on Sundays. I think if you just figure out what niche area of the market you like, so I mean, it's easy for us to say tech just because we do it so much. You just, just you subscribe to all of it. You hop in on Reddit, you hop in on forums, you kind of figure out what's going on in the industry. You have some of your friends that are already in it. So I have a little group chat of my buddies that are in the actual tech industry. And it's really easy to bounce ideas off them because they see it every day. So it's kind of like, hey, what do you think about this company? Is this company just a startup still? Or is there is this going to be a bigger deal than what we're seeing? I mean, you just have to pay more attention to that area. And it makes it so much easier for you because you'll know when to buy and when to get out. Right. And, and two, they're, I mean, they're definitely internet communities that you can look at. Yes. Um, I have two of them pulled up right now, both on Reddit. Um, and one is just r slash stocks. I mean, they they do a lot of just basic article pushes, things like that. Um, and then there's r slash Wall Street bets, which I find is more, I find that one to be more of a discussion uh -huh. and more of a conversation, not just here's my portfolio, look at it, rate it. Um, and so both are great. I've actually gotten a lot of good ideas based off these pages and stuff like that. And you know, you can learn from anywhere. Yeah. And so you don't want to discount any resource that you can have. Um, with it being Reddit, 
anybody can say anything on Reddit, so yeah, I would, be careful. And I would definitely advocate saying, oh, a lot of these guys aren't financial advisors by any means. They're not money managers. They're not hedge fund investors. Like they, they don't do that type of stuff. Right. But what they do do is they are in the same situation as us where they pay attention to this. So I, I would say it's a good idea to go there to get some ideas for stocks to look into. I would watch and do research. But if you also have questions, they're, they're usually a pretty helping community. You just kind of pop on there and you say, hey, what do you guys think about this stock? And give a reason why you want to buy it. And a bunch of people will chime in and they'll tell you if it's good or not. And I think that's always nice to have because you'll have people that are really tailored to that industry that know exactly what they're doing. Right. And like, like I said, I sort of, I'm just going to repeat myself here. You can get good ideas from anywhere. Yeah. And so even if it's not like, someone brings up a stock and even if you don't agree with what they're saying about it, but you're still interested, you can go in and do that research on your own. Go look at everything that you want to look at to make sure you feel secure in that bet, in that investment, and then go from there. I think that's good. And then I think for, for the other thing, so as I, as Zach and I mentioned, we travel a lot for work and we're always um, going and moving. Two big resources that I know I use is first off the TV in the morning. I turn it on. I don't really watch a lot of news. I'll turn on news every now and again, or if I'm driving, I'll throw on news on Sirius XM. Mm -hmm. What I watch a lot is CNBC. I listen to Mad Money with Jim Cramer and Squawk Box. They're usually pre-market, so they're going to be on before the market opens at nine. And they are really, really good at explaining what companies um, are hit and miss, and they do acquisitions, mergers. They tell you which ones to buy, sell. I would not take it one hundred percent, you know, at face value, but it is something that I'll listen to every single morning. And if something pops up that catches my attention, I'll go in and I'll purchase it. They were actually the ones that hit me on IMB from the get go, or uh, not IBM from the get go, and. Uh, I think that's something that I want to make sure you understand. That was the only stock I have ever purchased based off a recommendation from Jim Cramer. <laughs> and he probably gives a hundred of them every single day. So mad money. let me please explain that to you. I heard him say something about them. I then researched my own uh, on all that. And I was like, okay, this definitely does look like a good stock. Congratulations, Jim Cramer. You did one good one of that entire month of listening to him. Uh, but Squawk Box is really, really good because they got a bunch of guys, a bunch of uh, high-ranked people that are in the financial industry on there, and they kind of get more of an overview about why one's a good buy and one's a good sell. So I listen to those two. Um, and then the USA Today and Wall Street, those are just uh, newspapers that are sitting in most hotels. I will grab them, and I'll just grab the business section. I'll yank it out or the stock market section for Wall Street, and I'll just look through them, and I'll start highlighting, and I'll write in my little notebook which ones I think are big hitters, why, what all's going on in the industry there, and if it's something that I find of general interest, then I'll start researching. But if it's something like pharmaceuticals, and I'm not really 100% gung-ho about it, I'll just ditch it because it's something I can't get behind, I can't get passionate about, so it doesn't make sense for me to do it. And that's kind of, those are two things that I definitely do. Uh, the other thing, make sure you listen to like podcasts like us. There's a bunch of podcasts out there that do the same exact thing as me and Zach. I just throw them on because we also drive, drive a lot. We'll just throw them on uh, and listen to podcasts, listen to books. Make sure you get a bunch of books on audio. I think there's Libby uh, as an app. If you get a library card, just download Libby. 
and you can download a ton of audiobooks that are about investing in the stock market, how to do certain things, how to go about certain things, which are awesome to do. And then the last thing is, is if you have Sirius XM radio, uh, Fox Business on there is really, really good because they, they're more like a news outlet. So they're not going to tell you stocks to purchase. They're going to tell you what all is going on in the business realm of things. And that's always good to know. So if you, if you put yourself around it at all times, you are always thinking of it and that kind of helps you whenever you're needing to purchase something. So I think with that being said, like that's, that's a good overview um, of what we look at, where we look, how to find sort of those winners and losers. Um, and I know it's not too in-depth, but I mean, to an extent, you have to develop your own strategy on this. We can give you all the tools in the world, but you have to figure out how you want to look at things before, you know, before you can come to a concrete conclusion. I do... Um, I want to talk about PG&E real quick. Yeah. Like, not a big deep dive, um, but just so the this, whole situation. Would you like to explain it? Yeah, so this was a stock that um, Pacific Gas Electrics was called. It's PCG is their emblem or their uh, stock ticker symbol. And they were one that I saw, so they usually fluctuated at the 38 to 42, $45 range, they were a heavy hitting stock, right? And they dipped drastically in uh, January 18 of 2019 to 727. And then they had an 11% raise last Friday, three days ago. And this was the one that I messaged Zach about immediately. I was like, hey, keep your eyes on this stock. I, it might be a good buy. We needed our research on it. So this was one that I saw a big enough dip and where its average was really, really high. I was like, okay, this is one where we can invest and just hold off for, you know, 180 days, maybe a full year if need be, because they make up a good chunk of the California energy grid. So they're, I mean, they're, I'm not going to say a monopoly because they have competition, but they make up so much of it that they are a very strong competitor in that industry. But here's the kicker. Once we started researching, and so on paper, and you know, based off the data, it looks like a good buy. It's a strong purchase, right? But this is where research comes in hand. We ended up finding out that they are a huge proponent that caused the 2017 California wildfires that were a huge deal. 20, I think it was 20 uh, civilians ended up passing away. 86. 86. 86 in one town passed away. 86. So, I mean, they're a huge proponent of these casualties which is not good at all i mean it was a really sad time they um were hit with a bunch of lawsuits because of this based off people with insurance and people without insurance and then they still have to pay for the town for doing all this stuff so technically they're and i'm putting quotations i know you can't see it but in quotations they're hella liable for this issue so they filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy now, how that works is, is if they file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and it goes through and the bankruptcy takes effect, any investor stockholder, your stock essentially dips down to pennies and it's not worth anything. You can try to sell it, but no one's going to buy in at that point. We saw that with JCPenney as well. They kind of dipped off just like that. Uh, I mean, Sears, not JCPenney, Sears. Um, so that was the first huge thing. But here is a really weird part that Zach and I realized. If a company filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, why did their stock go up and they're still fluctuating at the $10 to $15 range? 
it made no sense. So we started doing more research into it. And like I said, we're, it's just like an onion, right? The onion is a general idea and we're just peeling off the layers to get to the middle to see where we're buying it. So we peeled off that next layer and we saw that the bankruptcy will not take effect until their lawsuit goes through in June, 2020. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are purchasing it because, and here's the other kicker, California passed a new law that allowed PC and uh, G to increase the amount they're allowed to charge per kilowatt. And they also are in the huge industry of clean gases. So they're trying to do clean energy and other ways to get energy that's, that's clean. And that's, that's what California is about. So their accountants, statistically speaking, looked at that and they noticed that a five cent raise approximately, again, this is quotations because they're not releasing that type of information, but a cent raise in the kilowatt used per hour is enough to cover all these lawsuits, correct? So here's the next thing. They filed for chapter 11. They had a new law passed that allows them to increase the amount that they're allowed to charge. Investors see that as a win because statistically speaking and data speaking, their numbers are going to go up and they'll be able to pay this. The issue all lies in this June 2020 date that they have to have everything paid off by. And if they don't, the file, uh, the chapter 11 bankruptcy is going to go through and that's when you'll lose your money. So I think people are taking that gamble because it's a year away. Well, not even a full year. I mean, a little bit less than like 10 months away. Because if it goes through, you're looking at another $40 stock. Like it's going to go up drastically. Right. And I think another thing to keep in mind when looking at these guys, uh, the figure that they owe right now in damages is at $20.5 billion. So $20.5 billion. They owe $11 billion for insurance companies as part of a tentative deal. They owe $8.4 billion to pay wildlife claims for uninsured victims. Uh, which attorneys representing them had rejected as too low. Um, and then there's a billion dollars that will go towards local governments affected by the wildfires. That's just the beginning. There's a projection that this could get as high as $30 billion. So by all means, this is a complete risk. This is a, this is a gamble. I think I'm willing to take the risk on it. Yeah. Like not a lot of money, but... A little bit. I, I'll get enough shares, but enough to keep away from it and keep sort of at an arm's distance. Um, but I, it is a huge risk if they cannot recoup that $30 billion, Remember that stock's going to just tank. You will lose everything. And there's no security. There's no backing. There's no payout. You will lose all that money. So this is by no means something you should bet the farm on because... It, that's not a smart bet. It's you'll not lose a smart all. investment. I mean, you'll lose, you'll lose everything. So this is one that we want to talk to because not, not too often we actually get to discuss a big company like this filing for bankruptcy. And I think it's something that we need to discuss because you, you need to be aware of the situation. So this is one of the dirty parts of the stock market that does happen. But this is something where we've been telling you, you need to do the research because statistically speaking, this is a grade A company. I mean, whenever you look at technically the books, they're in negative $29 billion in debt because of the lawsuits. But when you actually look at how the ticker raises and goes, I mean, it's a, it's a heavy hitter. It's something that we would initially invest in based off face value. But that's why you have to research it. And that's why politics does play into effect. Because that one political move that was, that was switched to allow them to charge a little bit more money has now created a huge drop of water in this huge pond and a 
bunch of ripples for investors to go into and purchase. So this is one I'm glad Zach reminded us to mention it. This is one that's good for you to kind of pay attention to. I mean, I'm with him. I'm going to invest on Monday. I'm going to buy into it because I'm willing to take that risk because it's been a decent year for me. And I'm just going to put house money in on it. Meaning I'm going to take what I've earned so far and just put it in on there because the worst one the worst that I lose and I'm still technically 1% of what my initial investment was last year. So if you have money to risk, do not put your farm on it. Do not put your house on it. Do not refinance, take a loan, not tell your wife and put it because we're not going to tell you right now. This is going to be the biggest hitter. But this might be one where you'll see a, a few hundred percent gain whenever it goes up. So keep that in mind. So with that being said, uh, this concludes another very successful episode, if I do say so myself. This was a good episode. This was, <laughs> this was We needed this because the last episode, Zach and I got done, we're like, dude, this, this wasn't a good one. Like this was tough because it's, it was very boring information. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes you have to take that with a grain of salt when you're talking about finances like this. It does get very boring. But this one was a good one because you kind of get to see exactly what we do and why we do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm with Zach. It was a good one. Also, on a, on a non-stock related page and on more of a, our podcast related page, um, we're going to be getting better equipment here. Yes. Very soon. So expect the sound quality to just shoot up because it's going to be a lot better, um, a lot nicer listening experience for all of you. So thank you for sticking with us with our sort of, I'll say, makeshift situation that we have right now. And and we, we promise we want to deliver quality for you guys. So that's coming. Yeah, so perfect. Well, stay tuned. We're about to talk about a few other stocks on the next uh, Stock Wars episodes. Uh, And as always, keep living the dream and keep making money. Thank you.